Morning. Bibles to Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5, and I've entitled the message today, Why is Grace So Amazing? Why is Grace So Amazing? It's one thing that Paul is trying to communicate. Uh, One of the things that he is doing is he is uh, going from Romans chapter 1 verse 18 all the way through Uh, Romans chapter 5 verse 11 and here in 12 on one of the things that he is doing is he is uh, helping us to see the principles that underlie the grace of God the grace of God being poured out why is it so amazing and he's answering that and today we're going to be looking at how he answers that with contrasts um you know, back in 1970, uh, the um, yeah Apollo 13, that was the mission, took off, and not long into a mission, boom, there was an explosion in space. And here were three astronauts in great peril. Nobody knew. It was kind of like, how are we going to get these guys back? And they started formulating plans. And the whole world was on edge as that was taking place. I, I, I vaguely remember, probably because it was so long ago, I vaguely remember watching that on our black and white TV. Yeah, they were black and white back then. Black and white TV and watching uh, those shoots open as they finally got back over with all the struggle and all the turmoil and all the the cold that they were in and, and, and all the, the things that they had to endure and go through. Those shoots, poof, they opened up. And there was just this relief, this, uh, this, this cheer all the way around the world, I'm sure, knowing they made it back. Just this relief. Grace brings that relief to the condemned sinner. Just victory. And it's ours. And Paul is saying, I want you to see why grace is so amazing. And and I want to show you that by the contrast that you see. I mean, he's painting us a bigger picture And he's saying, it's not by the works that you do, but to be saved, you have to be saved by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone. In chapter 5, verse 12, last week, we looked at this one little sentence and then the explanations of why that's true. Just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. And Paul is saying that everybody's a sinner. Not just because you have sinned, but because of Adam sinning. Everybody sinned. Sin has gone to everyone. We have inherited Adam's guilt. And so what Paul wants to do is he wants to lay out some, uh, some, some differences, some contrast, if you will, uh, some distinctions between Adam, 
and Christ. He leads into that in verse 14 when he says, Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even though there wasn't a law, over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. He's leading into his argument. He's leading into, let me show you some distinctions between Adam and Christ. Let me show you distinctions between the sin that Adam did and the death that Christ died. Uh, let me show you these different things about him. So he lays out three contrasts. Let me give you those. And then I'll give you the points of the sermon. But the three contrasts are God's justice in condemnation and his grace in redemption. We're going to see that in verse 15. We're going to see him uh, uh, giving this, the, the, drawing this distinction between God's justice and condemnation and condemning because of sin and his grace in redeeming from sin. Secondly, we're going to see this, uh, this distinction, this contrast, that through uh, one man's sin, death came to all. And then we're going to see that in grace, many sins were covered by one man's righteousness. Those are the distinctions he's drawing in verse 16. And then the third distinction, one man's sin led to the reign of death. And one man's death led to his people reigning in life. That's what we see in verse 17. So I want us to look at the arguments in three movements. First of all, I want us to notice the free gift is not like the trespass. The free gift is not like the trespass. Secondly, Adam's sin leads to death for all. And then thirdly, Christ's righteousness leads to life for those who believe. So first of all, let's look at verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. How so? Well, if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. That's a beautiful verse. Let me kind of try to unpack it for you. First of all, universal judgment is not surprising. Let me say it this way. Universal judgment shouldn't be surprising. Um, in our society, most think the opposite, that, that we think salvation of, of salvation as some entitlement and condemnation by God of sinners, something that calls His goodness and His justness into question. But when we really look at it and look at God's Word, universal judgment is not surprising. It's deserved. 
Universal judgment is something that we deserve. Uh, Many died through one trespass. Uh, People are going to go, well, that's not fair. (coughs) Excuse me. But it's salvation that's undeserved, not universal judgment. Salvation is what's undeserved. Um, That's what Paul is saying in this text. Because of what Christ did, all who believe in Christ become undeserving recipients of God's grace. There's nobody who deserves God's grace. If you are a recipient of God's grace, you know in the depth of your soul, I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I can't keep it. Only God can do those things. Only God can accomplish these things. In other words, what Paul is saying is grace is what is surprising. Wouldn't you agree? Isn't it surprising that God would show us grace? That's the shocking thing. The shocking thing is that he's doing what is undeserved and is overwhelmingly gracious in saving us through the blood of a son. Paul is not merely making an argument that what was lost in Adam was regained in Christ. That's not all he's doing. Paul is saying that the gift of grace through Jesus is incomparably greater. Much more, he uses, than the condemnation that came through sin. Much more. That's what he says. It was much more. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus, abounded for many. Paul is saying, if Adam's sin brought condemnation, much more did Jesus bring superabounding grace. That's the term there, superabounding grace. That seems like a word that goes along with something Jesus does. Superabounding. It's this escalating contrast that's going on. Grace outpaces our sin. When I say escalating contrast, imagine this staircase and your sin increasing. Don't like to think about that, but your sin increasing. Do you know what grace does? It outpaces that sin. It stays over it covers it, and outpaces it constantly. Constantly, your grace is outpacing sin. I did what some would call foolish back in 2010. I ran my first marathon in Fort Worth, Texas with my good friend David McCormick. Some of y'all know him. And both of us, compete for the fat preacher prize. And so we decided, you know what, we're going to do this. And so we trained 
He's over in Monroe. I'm over here, and we trained. And we got together, and we went to Babes. Y'all know what Babes is up there? Uh, it's this place you go in, you order chicken fried steak, and they just keep bringing you plates of it until you say stop. That's good, huh? That was how we carved up the night before, you know. Got ready for that thing. Man, we were running along, and both of us were kind of cramping up a little bit here and there, you know. We, we'd stop at the water stations, you know, and have, have quite a bit of Gatorade and whatever. About mile 16, you know, we're chugging along, and we're, I'm, I'm, I'm asking about the wisdom of eating all that chicken fried steak, and he says, man, that's all that's keeping us going. What are you talking about? And about that time, a couple who I have believed were octogenarians passed us. What are you laughing about? I want to say they weren't but 75. And man, they, they, and when they passed us, I looked over at David and I said, hey man, our new goal in this marathon is to not let them beat us. We never saw them again. We comforted ourselves by saying they dropped out somewhere along the way. But I want you to know, they outpaced it. The superabounding grace of Jesus outpaces your sin to the point that sin can no longer see it. And grace has passed it up so much that it is totally and completely covered. And there is no chance whatsoever of sin catching up with the grace of Jesus Christ. Can't do it. That's the superabounding grace of Jesus It's an escalating contrast. Paul's concerned that people are going to go, you know what, this isn't fair, that some die, death comes to everyone because of Adam. And God has a solution, grace. And some people say it's not fair. It's not fair that we get Adam's sin and we're going to die as a result of it. No, what's not fair is that God gives us grace. People often say, you know, uh, uh, it's unfair that God sends someone to hell. And You know what, if you want to complain about something, uh, complain about heaven and grace because that's not fair. Nobody deserves that but because of the superabounding grace of God through Jesus Christ. Sin is overcome forever. Man, to be pardoned. To be pardoned from all of our sin. Can you, can you even put in your mind the amount of sin you've committed in your life? Could you even begin to make a list? 
And for those who believe, it's all covered. Past, present, future, covered. We can't even begin to imagine how wonderful that is to be pardoned. Some people sin less than others. But the ones who sin less than others probably sin more than they think they do. That's kind of how sin is. I know I sin more than I think I do. There's sin I don't know about. David says that. Show me the sin I don't know about. Pardoned from all sin. Between 1861 and 1865, the United States Civil War waged on. After the war, there were many tensions remaining between the North and the South. President Andrew Johnson in 1968 determined that there's only one way to move forward as a nation combined and united together. No longer this North and South, but one nation. We had to have new thinking. And so he did the most unpopular thing that could have been done. He pardoned every Confederate soldier. All of them. Pardoned them. Some in the North weren't real happy about that, but I want you to know those Confederate soldiers were ecstatic. They didn't have to hide anymore. They were free. Isn't it marvelous what the grace of Jesus Christ does? Sets us free from the bondage of sin and death and gives us life that reigns in our hearts and our minds. That's what he calls us to. Don't you just love the hymn? Marvelous grace of our loving Lord, grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured, there where the blood of the Lamb was spilt. Infinite grace, marvelous grace, Grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Infinite grace, marvelous grace. Grace that is greater. Grace that outpaces. Grace that is superabounding above all our sin. The free gift is not like the trespass. The trespass brings condemnation. The free gift, life. <clears throat> Next, I want us to see that Adam's sin leads to death for all. Paul, in that first part, is contrasting God's justice, condemnation, with God's grace, redemption. 
by showing how his grace superabounds, but also showing how God is right in bringing condemnation on those who do not believe. Adam's sin leads to death for all. Here he's contrasting and focusing on the implication of Adam's sin and that one man's sin leads to death for all. But God's grace provides the covering of many sins by one man's righteousness. Look at verse 16. And the free gift is not like the result. So we're looking at the implications, what flows out of. Not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. The gift following many trespasses, ek, out from. This gift that comes as a result of needing to overwhelm sin. He says here that Adam's sin had these implications for all humans. Everyone was involved. Everyone is corrupted by Adam's sin. What's on the other side of that? The many, many, many sins were covered by Jesus Christ. They were covered by Je- many sins. Look what it says. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. All are condemned and judged in Adam. Many are acquitted who are in Christ Jesus. That's sweet. You see, the result of one is nothing like the result of the other. One brings death and the other brings life. Sin, what does it do? Unchecked, it just keeps on building. Sin, apart from grace, just keeps growing. Sin, apart from repentance, just continues on. I mean, think about it. How one cross word can produce many days or weeks of tension. Whether that be in the home or whether that be at work. This, this happens, this tension happens, this contention continues because one thing leads to another and then one thing leads to another and then one thing leads to another. And what you have there is the beginning of disintegration in a relationship. Just one cross word. I mean, what Adam brought, the corruption that he brought, brings about death. And that brings about disintegration in the lives 
of people. It's not surprising that from Adam's sin flowed judgment and condemnation. And we see that exercised consistently in our world today. Wayne Barber who said, Sin will take you farther than you ever wanted to stray and keep you longer than you ever intended to stay and cost you a whole lot more than you ever dreamed you would pay. You commit one sin, begin to yield to it, and it takes you into further lawlessness, deeper and more consequential. Deeper and more consequential. That's what Adam brought. Adam's sin leads to death for all, and that just keeps building and growing. And over the years, I mean, that's just continuing to be seen everywhere. You have friends and family whose lives are just in shambles because of sin. Because of sin they've committed or because of sin that's been committed against them. Sin, no matter how it comes into our lives, I want you to know it absolutely destroys. Do you know what's amazing about grace? Do you know what's amazing about this free gift that God gives? It brought justification. What's amazing about grace is when you look out at the destruction that flows from sin and you see how God's grace reverses the effects of sin. where you see broken, busted lives in shambles redeemed and made new, where you see marriages that are just falling to pieces be changed by God's grace infiltrating the human heart and human life. And bringing about repentance. And godly sorrow. It's amazing to see. How God takes. People. Who came up in homes that were just. Like this. Just shambles. Broken. From divorce from abuse, from all kinds of things. And God takes that person and just changes them. You don't know anybody like that in your life. You, if you're in Christ, you're one of them. You were dead in your trespasses and sins. And he made you alive together with Christ. That's pretty remarkable, don't you think? That's pretty remarkable. You were dead and he made you alive, not for any reason of your own, but because he's gracious. 
Can you all imagine Adam walking around? I mean, his sin brought death into the world. Can you all imagine Adam walking around? Adam lived like 900 years. Some of y'all think, well, I wish I could live 900 years. I know. Can you imagine you would only be a cup of dust in 900 years? But, I mean, there he is, you know. He's just minding his own business and walking through town. And people just, they see him, and they cross the other side of the road. It's his fault that we're like this. It's all his fault. I mean, going through, it's, it's your fault that we're like this. I mean, he lived 900 years and people were going the whole time, I'm sure. What were you thinking? But then, some millennia later, the Son of God spread out his arms on the cross and he died. <laughs> and all the sin and all the sorrow for all who would believe were laid on him. And he absorbed our wrath, the wrath we deserved, and he took upon himself our sin. And he reversed the corruption in the lives of everyone who believes. Jesus didn't merely shut the gates of Vanity Fair. He put a lid on Pandora's box. He liquidated our debt. He took it all away. What's amazing about grace? The likes of you and me have come to know His grace. That's what's amazing about it. What's amazing about it is every one of us, all of us, all of you, and all that are outside of this place today, everyone who is alive right now, everyone who has been alive since the beginning, everyone who will live after this day, not one person in the world deserves Heaven, and to be with the presence, in the presence of the living God. But by grace you have been saved. It's overwhelming. His grace is superabounding. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, here's the basis of what I'm talking about. Here's the basis of all this sin that I was talking about up front and all the grace and all the justification that, uh, that brings us into the presence of God, where he declares us righteous. Here's the basis of it. Nobody deserves it. Adam brought it to be, and Christ has brought an end to the reign of sin. He reverses the corruption caused by Adam. That brings us to the last thing. Christ's righteousness leads to life for those who believe. 
Christ's righteousness leads to life for those who believe. Look at verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. One man's death led to the reign of life. And one man's sin led to death for all. We want life. Eternal life. Paul uses a word throughout this text. It's important to understand that he is using the word all, pos in the Greek, and many, polos in the Greek, interchangeably. All and many are being used in parallel. He doesn't mean them any differently. Let me show you that. In verse 15, he says, The free gift is not like the trespass, for if many died through one man's trespass. Now look back up at verse 12. Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men. He's using it interchangeably. If he's not, we're going to have to figure out something. Because in one, all died, and one, many died. Well, I want you to know all died as a result of Adam's sin. That's clear. And that's what we need to focus on. We need to see that he's using them in parallel. But he's not preaching universalism. He's not taking the word all and many when he speaks of the redemption and saying, you know what? I want you to know something. Everybody is saved. Our message is not, you're all already saved. Our message instead is that uh, all who believe will know the superabounding grace of God through Jesus Christ. He's not saying, you know, all die in Adam and all are saved or redeemed. In Christ. So everybody's saved. No, he's not saying that. How do I know? Look what he says in verse 17. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man Jesus. Those who receive. He's not speaking of universalism. He's saying... Those who receive Christ, those who trust in Christ, those who receive the grace that God gives through him, they are the ones who know him. Those who receive the abundance of grace, that superabounding grace, that, that grace that overwhelms sin that outpaces sin, 
that's constantly escalating above and beyond sin. That grace, look what happens. They receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. What happens? They reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. They reign in life. They live a life that is in step with the superabundant grace of God. That's what that's saying. This reigning is the overcoming and putting to death of sin we find in chapter 6. And it's the battle raging within Paul speaks of in chapter 7 because I want you to know that in the Christian walk, there's a battle that rages within. And it speaks of the hope driven by the Spirit of God in chapter 8. That's reigning life. That's what Paul's about to get into, a life that reigns, that superabounds alongside and according to and in connection with and in conjunction with the superabounding grace of God. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I think many people sing those words and perhaps think, well, I wasn't that bad. And Paul's hoping that the readers and the proclaimers of Romans chapter 5. Verses 12 through 21, make sure that people see, oh yeah, you are a wretch. Far more than you think you are. And that's what Paul wants to get across. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Lost found escalating contrast blind see escalating contrast john newton knew what he was writing about grace overwhelms and overcomes all the sin and the effects of that sin in our life bringing us to a place of a longing to walk in holiness and rely on him that's what he calls us to. We can spend so much time talking about the sinfulness, sinfulness of mankind. We could just stay on ourselves, couldn't we? Couldn't you? Couldn't you just stay on yourself and just unpack all your sin? Here are the things I struggle with. Here's the sinfulness of my life. Here are the things that, that just overwhelm me sometimes. Could you do that? We could. But you know what I'm thankful for? I'm thankful for a grace, the grace of God, 
that outpaces all that and causes me instead to look to myself to look to him. Because in looking to myself, I'm just going to go down. And I'm not going to fight sin looking to myself. Looking to Christ, now I'm going to fight sin. Now I'm going to war with sin. Because I know I can't win, but Christ, he has already won. He calls us. He saves us. His righteousness leads to life for us, life that reigns. A life that is right there, empowered by the amazing grace of God. Live in that superabounding grace that he has saved you by. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you. Thank you, Lord, for grace, for your grace that is superabounding. And Father, I pray, Lord, that we would never lose sight of the fact that we are saved by your grace through faith in Jesus. That we are kept by your grace and not by ourselves. That we, Lord, will be glorified not because we deserve it, but because you are gracious. And I pray we would never lose sight of that truth. Father, that we would never turn our eyes to our works as a means of being convinced of our salvation. But, Lord, that we would constantly have our eyes on your grace, knowing, Lord, that we sin, confessing to you, repenting. Lord, that's, that's the story of our life. Faith and repent, faith and repent, faith and repent. That's how you change us. And so, Lord, let us never lose sight of our constant reliance upon you for our salvation in the past, in the present, and in the future. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.